For your awards consideration, Max presents The Last of Us, the HBO original series starring Pedro Pascal as Joel, a hardened survivor hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14-year-old girl, out of an impressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal and heartbreaking journey as they both must depend on each other for survival. Don't miss the critically acclaimed series Empire Calls, a masterpiece, Emmy eligible for Outstanding Drama Series, and all other categories. The Last of Us is now streaming on Max. Today on Crew Call, the creator of the great Tony McNamara and star and executive producer Elle Fanning on the rise of Catherine the Great. Tony and Elle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hello. My first question to you both is if you had to describe season three as far as its theme goes, what would that be? Was there ever a description that you gave to season three that distinguished it from season one and two? Hmm. I think Tony. in the, uh, <laughs> uh, I think when I was thinking, <laughs> I think when I thought about it, it was like, what do you do if you're married to the right person personally, but they're the wrong person for you to achieve what you want professionally? And if you're stuck in that dynamic, how do you get out of it? It can't go well, I guess, was what I was thinking about while we were doing it. And then, you know, obviously the, the season, without giving too much away, for the few people who haven't seen it, there's, there's a sudden shift and then there's a sort of, it's sort of two seasons in a strange way because it sort of becomes a different season for Catherine sort of three quarters of the way through. So it had sort of two kind of gears to it, I guess. How does the end of season three line up with the play you wrote? Um, the end of the, I think season three, I feel like we left the play behind a season or two ago. So there isn't much left of the play um, after season one, maybe bits and pieces, but um, mostly, yeah, we've been on our own journey away from the play for a couple, for two seasons, I'd say. L and Tony, talk about the stress that Catherine is under this season. There's a lot of guns. <laughs> in a Monty Python kind of way. But can you talk about the stress that she's under? I think it's a lot of it's a lot of things because I think her stresses change throughout the season in unexpected ways and and in ways that she could have never predicted. But um, you know, we pick up the third season literally a day after the last scene of the second season. So you don't miss out on anything in that way. But um, the strain on Peter and Catherine's relationship is kind of bigger than ever. And they know that they love each other. They've confessed their love, but then also they've both done these kind of unforgivable acts to each other, but they're willing to, work through that. Um, so there's, you know, couples counseling involved in the front half of the season that they have to work through. Um, and also I think grappling with ego, like especially in Peter's case as well of, you know, is he going to be okay being this stay at home dad and 
you know, he's a great father. That's the thing. And watching, and then watching his wife do his old job better in a lot of ways. Um, and also with Catherine, it's, is she the right leader for the country, which I think she's been questioning and that's like a growing feeling inside her throughout all three seasons. And I think that that feeling, um, now in, in season three is kind of really coming at her. Um, cause she always, you know, she has such a beautiful ideas and she's such a progressive thinker and, you know, she wants to outlaw murder this season, you know, which is, it's Russia's favorite pastime. So they're pretty pissed about that. Um, but she, her goals are beautiful, but it's, can she actually implement them? And I think ultimately too, can she implement them while being married to this person? Cause it's, you know, she, she desperately loves him, but then at the same time, she's constantly trying to change him. And, um, you know, like we do with all of our partners, <laughs> there's a point where you're like, I love you, but I just wish you were an entirely different person. <laughs> um, and I think that's also something that Catherine is grappling with. And, you know, the back half of the season is obviously dealing, a, she's, you know, she's faltering. She's much weaker. She's dealing with grief. All the characters are dealing with mourning in their own certain way. So for me, this is, I will say like my favorite season to film, I put a lot of pressure on myself this season um, just because of things that, that happened in the show. Um, and I, yeah, I'm the most proud of this season. I think I feel like, you know, Catherine's always growing, but she's not necessarily growing upwards. <laughs> like she's growing diagonally down, like sideways. She's, she's figuring things out, but in her own certain way, she's not necessarily always becoming stronger. Like I think she has to find her strength in those really weak moments, which Tony writes so beautifully. Was that a real thing in history with the gun, the gun thing that she would do with <laughs> where one of them would be loaded. And if she would, she would put it to her head and then I don't think so. I don't determine destiny. I really, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it was a gun thing, but also I know that Tony like he does a lot of research on Catherine the Great, which people, I mean, watching the show, you might not realize, but he knows everything about her and he just picks and chooses what he wants to put in. But I would be surprised if the gun thing was real. <laughs> As you're going through this, are you like, hey, did this really happen? Do you ever? Sometimes I've honestly, though, stopped asking that question. <laughs> I I do know that this year, like the Pugachev character and the uprising that Pugachev started, um, I don't know if that was his name in history, but there was a man who looked like Peter the Third and was pretending to be Peter the Third, um, you know, out in the, you know, in the cities and like in the world, um, against Catherine the Great. And that was like a huge uprising and was a real problem for the real Catherine the Great. So I know Tony took that from history. Like that character was a real guy. How did you work with hair, makeup, <laughs> and costumes this season to reflect the mood that Catherine was going through? What were you the, know, what were the changes? That's interesting. I haven't gotten that question yet. I, very interesting. You know, we have, I mean, 
a set kind of look for her, but I think she's definitely matured throughout the years. You know, I mean, like season one, she wore a lot of like pastels and light blues and kind of that showed her Germanness and like her youngness in a way. And we've since then kind of pushed her into bolder patterns and colors. And there's always a story behind each costume and hair choice and, and all of that. Um, but especially this season, like once Peter goes, <laughs> like spoiler alert, but once that happens, she starts wearing his clothes, which was something that Tony and I talked about and something that he wanted to make happen. So I would wear, um, all of Peter's clothes in mourning and hair was very disheveled. I think in episode eight also, I really wanted to look, um, like I'd been sobbing for days and days on end. So I asked for these contacts that made my eyes look really bloodshot. And so in episode eight, I they had some things made and like I had these crazy, crazy eyes that made me look like I haven't slept in days. Um, so that was a part of it. <laughs> Less blush. <laughs> um, and then at the end, I mean, she gets a, she gets a haircut. So that that's chopped off and it's kind of like a rebirth and a new beginning for her, like a new chapter. But our, um, like the artisans on our show are just out, out of this world. Amazing. The, the, the wigs and the costumes and what everyone, what they do. I mean, it's all from scratch, you know, it's all handmade and, and specifically done for each person and tells such a, a story. I'm like a twall. There was a, dress that I wore that was like a bright twall this year, I think in episode three or four. Um, and it has like little memories from our show, like the dog with the parachute, the bear, the crocodile, people having sex, like on my twall, all on my dress. So for the true fans, you can zoom in and see, but yeah, no detail goes unturned. <laughs> Can you buy that at Macy's? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really want to get, I think that they, um, Sharon Long is who is our costume designer. She gave me a pillow in the fabric. I really want pajamas in the fabric. I think that would be Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're an executive producer on the show. Yeah. How early are you brought into the writer's room? Do you, do you bring ideas you know, on our show, the writing is never a question. <laughs> like Tony is such a genius and he is, he also writes as he goes along. So we don't get all of our scripts all at the same time. We probably get maybe three or four scripts like before we start filming. Honestly, I think two, it could just be two because we do block shooting I don't know, two or three. I mean, he obviously has cracked the season in his head and he has a, you know, he could speak to this better, but he has a, um, um, a general sense of where the season's going to go. But, um, as we're filming, it's constantly tweaking. So I don't actually know how it's going to end. None of us do when we're filming it, which that's so interesting. Yeah. And it also helps in the moment. For your awards consideration, Max presents The Last of Us, the HBO original series starring Pedro Pascal as Joel, a hardened survivor hired to smuggle Ellie 
a 14-year-old girl out of an impressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal and heartbreaking journey as they both must depend on each other for survival. Don't miss the critically acclaimed series Empire Calls, a masterpiece. Emmy eligible for outstanding drama series and all other categories. The Last of Us is now streaming on Max. So Tony, you know, sometimes there's certain creators where they come in and they will tell the actors their entire arc for the season. And then in other situations, actors find out kind of script by script. Can you comment on that? I, I'm always fascinated by actors prep in terms of story. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I, because I um, have this theory. Oh, I have this theory that um, it's better if I write it as it goes. So I have a strong idea of what the season's going to be. And I write the first two episodes and I sort of rough out the season and then I'll plot out to maybe episode four. And then, then I'm just watching the show happen. And as I watch it, I sort of react to it in within what I'm seeing on the floor in terms of actors, who, you know, what's happening between people. Like even like in season one, I saw something happening between Nick and Al characters where I was like oh he was never going to fall in love with her that was never in my plan but I was like oh his character would be so fat he's so fascinated with her so that twisted the whole season in the end and 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 that happens every year I sort of have things I know I'm going to do and then things I just react to because it's more fun for me as a writer it's more stressful for everybody I have to say (laughs) Um, but it's it's fun in a kind of like well it's very fresh and um, and the actors sort of don't know what's coming. And even though sort of I roughly, like, you know, obviously Alan knows roughly the whole season, you know, I, we talk about that when I'm right at the start of the, of the proceedings, I'll talk to her first about what I'm thinking and things that we're interested in. And um, so, so that happens. But And then within the actors, various actors want to know what their season is and lots of actors on the show don't want to know. Um, and in fact, this year, no one wanted to know, you know, in the first two years, people would come in the first month and go, oh, what's going to happen to me? And now everyone's like, oh, well, I guess let us go, let us find out, you know? So, um, so yeah, that's the process, but I think it keeps it very fresh and organic. No one's sort of sure what's about to happen till a few weeks before we film. So in regards to Peter, the third's face. Yes. El, when did you find out about that? And were you expecting it at that point in time, about midway through? You know, I think we knew that it was looming because even though we don't, we're not completely historically accurate at the same time, people, you know, that <laughs> it has to happen at, at some point. But I feel like I kind of knew in season two that, Tony was that pro that season three, it would probably occur, but I didn't know how it would happen. And I didn't know in what episode of, of season three, how it would happen. Um, Tony. Yeah. Did, did that actually happen? Did he drop through the ice? <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, I think he officially died of hemorrhoids, but that didn't seem very dramatic. Same, same kind of funny, but <laughs> I think I think Nick Holt might have drawn the line there. 
and going, boss, no. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think basically. Because I was thinking that's so in the wheelhouse of the show. What a thing to give off. It's true. Probably was. Probably missed up it's mentioned, years. though. It is mentioned, it is mentioned. In, the, in the show. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. historically. It is mentioned. Because Catherine is, you yeah. know. Supporters of hers killed him, I suspect, and then they put out a story to sort of that he died of hemorrhoids to sort of make fun of him. Um, but yeah, I, I think I wanted something a bit more grander and a bit more epic. And uh... also, was it true historically that there was a comet and she used that to her advantage to say that it, it's it's de destiny says that you know look in the sky you know, Catherine is the destiny of Russia. No, she, she didn't, but I think it was a good, it was, that was, clever. yeah, that was an idea we had of her in the season changing how she operates in a way, being more savvy about instead of talking down to people, thinking about how she can use people's sort of ignorance for her own advantage and being a, a cleverer politician in a way. Um, and also one of the one of the writers just pitched the comet idea, even though they didn't know what we would use it for for months until finally I went, you know, we could use it for this. <laughs> but so um the now did did Peter Peter the Third's court always play out like the Trump White House? <laughs> Was it always like just you know I mean, the only thing lacking in the Trump White House was was revolvers, <laughs> <laughs> which is the case here in Peter the Third's court. Um, I'm just I'm just curious. Was there always was there constant shenanigans? I mean, in reality, I don't know. I mean, not to the not how crazy as I suppose our show is, but. Um, but I think there was extremity from our point of view, like even the dueling, which we did more of this year, um, was was kind of a big deal. And I think in the end, you know, she was always, people were always dueling until I think they out, they didn't even outlaw it till like quite, quite late in history. So things like that seemed fun. And I think we just cherry pick things we think will be fun from their period and make them our own. And Tony, in terms of like production design and even shooting, like the lighting, was there a tonal shift in any way for season three? Um, there, there wasn't a huge shift. We probably did. It, it, the lighting is different. Um, and I think the production design, we're always trying to create more because Francesca is such a brilliant production designer. So we're always trying to, we were trying to build some new spaces like the badminton court and the, um, so I think there's always a quest for us to find new, to refresh the show visually was something I talked about with the designers this year is like, it's our third season. We have to, I want to, you know, everything works and it's great, but what can we do that's slightly different? And we knew emotion that in a way this season would be more emotional. So maybe we could, Dim, you know, we could take the lighting down a little and we could change the way the spaces worked. We could build a new apartment for Catherine and Peter because it was about them trying to be a married couple. So I think we're always trying to add sort of freshness to the show story-wise, but also visually I did want it to look a bit different. And you shoot in England, right? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit in Italy. I, I've been to St. Petersburg and the outskirts and, and man, does it look 
it looks like a dead ringer. Oh, really? It, it really does in terms of the countrysides yeah. and the forests and everything. Yeah. I would get, I'll, I, I'm going to get grilled for this, but I'm from New England. And so I, the area looks like Massachusetts to me. So it looks, <laughs> um, it, no, it looks really gorgeous. It looks, you're setting I, I, yourself I, up. <laughs> but it, it, having been there outside of St. Petersburg and also to, to Catherine's palaces, it, it's a dead yeah. ringer where you shoot. Well, is there a season four? We're waiting to see. <laughs> we hope so. We're waiting. Let me ask you this. Danglers going into season four. Obviously, she's it's it's all about her autonomy, but what is she gonna have to deal with? Is Paul, is baby Paul gonna complicate things? I think he always <laughs> complicates things in her mind. <laughs> I don't know how maternal she is, but I also think that that had to do with the circumstances of the pregnancy because he also in season two, the pregnancy was almost like a ticking time bomb or like she, he was like a safety blanket for her of knowing, okay, well, as long as I'm pregnant, no one's going to kill me because they want the air. So it wasn't like this maternal loving, Oh, beautiful pregnancy. It was more like, okay, this is my protection. And then once I have him, he is like my enemy in a lot of ways yeah. because this baby now, you know, people could want to overthrow me. And then obviously, and we kind of touch on this in the third season, but, you know, Georgina too, you know, she wants to marry Paul and it's a lot about him being ordained and like, cause you know, in Russia, they don't care. They'll follow anybody. So it's like, all right, let's follow this baby instead of this woman. <laughs> and um, so I, and Catherine is, savvy and clever and she she knows those things so it's kind of hard to also have a relationship with with your son when he also you know he's a baby but there, in a lot of ways she sees the kind of political moves of that so I don't know Tony and I we haven't talked at all about what a next season would be but yeah not much. I know that he he has yeah a we've left Catherine in this as yeah she's free and autonomous for the first time in the whole season and able to, yeah. and, and also quite damaged yeah. as well and still has all these people around her she, she can't trust but is a free person in the way Catherine the Great was famously like liberal in her attitudes to men and lovers and, and also became more uh, politically complicated as she went on. So I think losing Peter, it, it, it frees her up to kind of, and also being slightly damaged by that experience makes her kind of like she was in sort of the last three or four eps, a little more unhinged about what she might do or much more unpredictable and much more kind of like not what you would expect her to do is how she would behave kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think she always like ruled from truth in a way, or yeah. she thought that to be a good ruler, you had to tell the truth and be an honest ruler. And like we know from probably every ruler in the world, it's like, yeah, it would be great to be perfect and honest and truthful all the time. But sometimes you have to say that comment was sent from God and look, do you know what I mean? And manipulate the situation and kind of be savvier, which the older Catherine or, or the younger Catherine in other seasons would have never thought to have done that. She would have thought I'm lying to the people. That's a terrible thing to do. But it's like, we finally see her kind of stepping into her own and willing to do things that she never 
would have done before. And I also think, yeah, like being kind of unchained and like not held down by the relationship anymore. It was so sad. Like I, for me, I'm like, oh no, like Nick's gone and Peter's gone. I hate that. But it wasn't, it is a necessity for Catherine to grow into the true leader that she is and was in history. It's like, it has to happen. It's a part of her journey. Well, it's the great. So Pugachev could pull a Rasputin and just take the bullet out of his, you know, <laughs> his head. He did. You know, him. that would be great. And you know, you could do it. I mean, because it's not like, <laughs> yeah. it's not like this is like. Well, we have ghosts. We always we say that's like, yeah. we have ghosts on our show. We yeah, we love ghosts. Yeah. What is next for you both? Elle, do you have anything in your cute, like, is there a, is night nightingale going to happen? I oh, asked you that two years ago. I know. I, you know, I, I, that movie is, I know it's been around. I mean, we would love for that to happen. I think yeah. I'm going to, um, I'm filming the Bob Dylan movie with Timothy Chalamet. Oh, yeah. very good. Very yeah, so good. We're supposed to do that this year, which I'm very excited to see him as Bob Dylan. And Tony, is Cruella 2 finished? Did you finish writing it? Um, I have, uh, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to, yeah, I have done a, I have done a pass, <laughs> yes, but I, I think okay. Craig now. Uh, Poor Things looks so good, and I've yet to oh, yes. talk to Tony about it, but I'm freaking <laughs> out over the look. It's crazy, huh? I've never seen yeah, him like a... I don't know. I mean, of course, that's what Tony and Yorgos do, but like just the style yeah. of it is so amazing, like futuristic, but also period. Yeah. And like, it's, it's crazy. The green smoke, like coming. I'm so excited yeah, I'm, for that. It's the Tony McNamara multiverse. We're going to bring in you, you know, we're going to bring back Emma Stone, you know, Emma Stone from The Favorite and Rachel yeah. and. Yeah. God, it look, it looks so good. It looks yeah, I mean he's I mean filmmaking wise it's something he's something else. And in this movie, I mean he's such a great director. It's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like Fellini, but it's also him and it's like just wild what he's done filmmaking wise. It's incredible. I love when like when Mark Ruffalo gets slapped and then goes, "Ow." <laughs> he's so funny. Mark, he's so funny. It's like the funniest moment. He like looks away and like it's such a delayed reaction. He's like, ow. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, that comes out in September. So we're all very excited. Oh, wow. Tony and Elle, thank you so much. Thank you, thank no you. No worries. Thank you, Andy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode.